Welcome back to another episode of Arabiyat. I'm Linda Khouri, and my co-host Suraya was unable to join me today for a conversation on a rare subject. Maybe not a rare subject, but a rare means of speaking about this subject. The topic for today is Badawi, a graphic novel told from the perspective of a young Palestinian refugee coming of age amid the backdrop of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and Lebanese civil war. She artfully intertwines personal narrative, history, and graphics for both an educational and meaningful experience. And that's my personal opinion. In studio with us today is comic book artist and author Leila Abdul Razak. She's a Chicago-based artist, and we're lucky enough to catch her here while she was in town. Welcome, Leila. Hi, thank you for having me. So I've seen a lot of work on Palestine. <laughs> I'm involved in it and, you know, scholarship, literature, novels, etc., um, conveying these stories and the history of the Palestinian people. But very rarely do I come across a graphic novel, you know, or mm-hmm. comics. How did you come to decide to do a graphic novel? Mm-hmm. I actually didn't start it off as a graphic novel. I started working on it as a webcomic. Um, and so I was just, uh, you know, creating little anecdotes in comic book form, um, comic form and posting them um, onto a blog and then onto my Facebook. And I was writing those stories mostly because um, I realized that while those stories seemed common or taken for granted in Palestinian communities, um, they weren't really heard outside of those communities. And it was often surprising to people that someone they know or that their friend had family who had grown up in a refugee camp. And so I realized that that was something different and that was something that um, could you know, I could tell those stories to help people understand a little bit more about the political situation through a through a personal lens. So I was posting those online, and eventually the publisher actually reached out to me and asked if I wanted to make it into a graphic novel. So that's kind of how the whole project started. So what kind of experiences did you, or what, what kind of things did you experience that led you to think that people needed to know more about Palestine and, and this way would be the best way of doing it? Just a general lack of information, a lack of understanding, not only of the political situation in general, but even how that impacts people individually. Um, a realization that people don't see politics a lot of times people see politics as something like, oh, well, that's your opinion. And, you know, politics as if it exists in some otherworldly like realm. Vacuum. Exactly. When in reality, politics, people care about politics because it impacts their daily lives and it has tangible and, you know, uh, tangibly changes their experiences and their ability to access um you know, resources or their ability to live life in a, you know, in a good way. So just like taking those stories and making sure that people understand why I care about (laughs) this situation and how it's impacted my family. Um, Because a lot of times people didn't even know one Palestinian, you know, they meet you and you say you're Palestinian and they're all of a sudden asking you all these political questions as if you're the first Palestinian person they've ever met. And so just realizing that these narratives and Palestinian uh, narratives, Palestinian um, experiences are not out there. They're just not. They're not in the media. They're not. Palestinians aren't asked to comment on things very often um, if someone's covering the political situation. Our narratives are not out there for the Western audience. So just kind of trying to put that out there a little bit more. So Ahmed's the protagonist mm-hmm. here, right? He's the refugee um, that you see growing up in the backdrop of all this, the civil war, Palestinian refugee camp. Um, 
does that reflect a particular person in your life? That mm-hmm. that story is that how true are these uh, stories that you have inside mm-hmm. this story in the book? So yeah, all the stories are true. They're based on the experiences of my father um, growing up in the camps, um, and so it, I didn't. You know, none of the stories were like fabricated. They're all real things that happened. They're stories that your father told you when yeah, you were younger. And, exactly. And they had an impression on you. And mm-hmm. and some stories, like when I got the book deal, then I started sometimes asking more intentional questions and asking him about certain things that happened or trying to get more information out of him. But um, for the most part, they were just anecdotes that I had heard growing up. So let's talk a little bit about the book. Mm-hmm. Um I read it and I'm not like really into comics, but I was actually really shocked. I really wanted to know what happened in the end. Like what right. happened to Ahmed? <laughs> and there's so many different chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's a storyteller mm. and someone who also tries to convey this message that is not in the media, mm-hmm. the mainstream media, you know, how did you decide to tell this story? Mm-hmm. Um, so structuring the story was interesting. Obviously, I'm not going to like take things out of order or something like that, but I needed to create... I needed to take these little individual anecdotes, which by themselves are just things that happen in someone's life. They don't mean anything, right? For it's example, just something that happened. Right. For example, um, you know, he has this like fight with his friends. Or for example, something happens where the army comes in and massacres some Palestinians in the camp. Or for example, you know, there's all kinds of different things that happened. Or he goes to collect Zatar in, in the mountains. Like, uh, these are all anecdotes from the story by themselves as individual events. They don't mean anything. But I had to put all of those anecdotes together and create kind of an arc out of them um, that would carry the reader through the story and help them understand something larger about the Palestinian struggle or about Palestinian history um, through those individual anecdotes. I know you did include a lot of history. So the history, I mean, you'd put little tidbits of history Mm -hmm. so people could understand backdrop Mm. what's going on. Um, And uh, so were you inspired by certain styles of other comic book artists Mm -hmm. or did you just spontaneously start doing graphics and then get into comics? Yeah, I mean, I had always liked to draw, um, and my brother and I would always draw together and make up stories growing up, so it's not like, and and I had read graphic novels, I had read, um, I wasn't into like comic books necessarily, but I was definitely interested in graphic novels and that format as a, as a way of storytelling, and I would read graphic novels about subjects I was interested in, just like you would read books about subjects you're interested in, you know what I mean? So it's not that I was a big comic book fan, but I always enjoyed that as an art form and as something to read, um, and so when I was starting to, and I had always thought that I, I wanted to write something like that, and so when I started working on it, it was just like a fun project, you know, but I found that it's been a really useful medium for this subject because Palestine can often alienate people. Even if you just say, I'm Palestinian, it gets a reaction. And so when you engage people in the subject through through personal stories and stuff like that and through visuals that people can look at, it's a way to engage people who might otherwise not be predisposed to engaging with that subject matter. And I want to talk a little bit more about the book. The best part about it, I think, which really, if anyone wants to give someone a book to help them understand, what does it truly mean to be a refugee or a Palestinian living in these camps? You're really going through his narrative mm-hmm. as like a young boy getting into trouble and getting punished or something. Right. But like the way that he's punished is like the way a Palestinian kid would be punished <laughs> um, or it was the obstacles that he faces. Right. I mean, as someone coming of age, you're always facing obstacles anyway. In the mm-hmm. best of scenarios, it's hard to grow up. Mm-hmm. 
talk a little bit about this story of how he's growing up and yeah. I mean his obstacles are completely unimaginable it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well yeah but at the same time he has the kinds of obstacles that any kid would have fights with his friends he has a crush on a girl like you know so uh, yeah there's this political backdrop and other things that are happening in addition to that but you know what people fail to see I think a lot of times is that like these are still just people making the best of their circumstances just like anyone else would and um definitely the political circumstances impact um you know his experience and and have a real impact and a tangible impact on his life but they don't define who he is any more than his experiences with his friends also define who he is and his experiences with his family so and all of that stuff impacts him and is intertwined in ways that cannot be you know, you can't separate those two. You can't separate the personal and the political, of course. But, um, you know, he is not defined exclusively by his, you know, for, by the political circumstances and by the reality of war and all that kind of stuff. And oftentimes, just to add, because this is kind of why the reason why we did this podcast mm-hmm. is because oftentimes Arabs are generally looked at as either, you know, terrorists or numbers or Mm -hmm. something like that, or Mm -hmm. they're victims. Mm -hmm. So to really complexify that and make it real for people. Exactly. Like not reducing people to their circumstances because people are more than that, obviously. (laughs) And how do you think that that would benefit us? I mean, if, if people were able to, I mean, I think if the Western world, and this kind of feels like you're aiming for the Western world here to, to, to create more complexity about who we are as Arabs, Mm -hmm. How do you think that that would be helpful (laughs) to these populations? Well, you know, as it stands, I was saying before, there aren't, like, Edward Said writes about permission to narrate, right? Palestinians don't, it's, there's no shortage of stories. There's no shortage of people willing to tell their stories. The issue is that those voices and those stories are being systemically shut out of mainstream media. So it's really important to have, you know, my dad's story is just one story. It might be relatable to other people who have undergone similar circumstances, but like the experience of a Palestinian growing up in Lebanon is super different from a Palestinian refugee growing up in Jordan. Or, you know, there's a million different ways to be Palestinians. There's a million different stories. And so um, it's important to have more Palestinian voices and more Palestinian stories because that will help people see the complexity and that we are not a monolith and that we are not just, uh, you know, reduced to whatever our circumstances are. Um, So I think, you know, even having one story, two stories, like we need a multiplicity of stories and a multiplicity of voices that that are not being shut out um, the way they have been. That's the voice of Leila Abdurrazak. She is the comic book artist and author of not a new book, but a recent book, the graphic novel Baddawi. So the title of your book is Baddawi, Mm -hmm. which means Bedouin in Arabic. Um, it's the actually derived from that word. It's the name of the refugee camp that my father grew up in. Um, so, uh, in 1948, um, with the establishment of the state of Israel, um, there was a mass ethnic cleansing that happened in Palestine. All the Palestinian villages that were located um, in the territories that were supposed to become the new state of Israel were ethnically cleansed. All the Palestinians were forced. Not all of all the Palestinians left. Some were internally displaced, and some did manage to stay in their villages. But the vast majority, many, many people, um, were, were pushed out um, and forced to leave. And my family's village was one of those villages. Um, the Israeli army came in and committed a really horrific massacre there. Um, the name of the village was Safsaf. Um, 
and my family left believing that they would be able to come back believing and that's that's important to note like Palestinians you know fled temporarily because there was all this stuff going on thinking that they would be able to come back my family left behind many valuables um you know they didn't leave as if they were really leaving but um today 68 years later my family my extended family still lives in Badawi camp um and uh you know the state of Israel does not uphold the right of return UN resolution 194 which is supposed to guarantee all Palestinians the ability to return to our villages um it does not uphold that it systemically and has a policy against letting Palestinian refugees even enter the country um and that's a very intentional choice, along with Israel's law of return, um, which they call um, this uh, policy that a Jewish person from anywhere in the world can go to Israel at any time and very easily obtain citizenship. Um, so the law of return paired with denying Palestinians the right of return is a very systemic policy that forces Palestinians out and keeps Palestinians out while bringing in new settlers, new people to kind of take over <laughs> yeah. so and so you have still have family in Badawi in Lebanon yes have you I mean I'm sure they've read the book mm-hmm. and how, how did they receive the book um I guess they like it um they <laughs> think that you know they they were kind of joking saying oh we have stories about your father that he won't tell you know that kind of <laughs> thing but um yeah it's it's just different um people seem to respond positively to it you know, so far no one said anything negative to my face. <laughs> so, <laughs> have they? I mean, is graphic novels something novel to them, or are they are they familiar with the the mode? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's different. I think like there's a big movement um, in the Middle East right now. A lot of new stuff coming out. Comics. Um, uh, you know, there were there was a big conference for Arab comic artists in Cairo earlier last year, and then a symposium. You know, there's all this. Um, work being done at the um, American University of Beirut in Lebanon around comics and magazines like Samandal and Tok Tok and like there's so much happening with Arab comics right now but it's sort of um, you know it's a lot it's a huge explosion almost but it's um, it's still growing you know it's Mm -hmm. still in the beginning stages. And I wanted to ask you as you know an an Arab female graphic novelist I mean there's it's not it's definitely a, a heavily male-dominated mm-hmm. quote-unquote industry yeah what has been your experience as both a minority and a, a woman it's also compounded by the fact that I'm a young person and that so, you're young yes. <laughs> yeah. there's a tendency for people to be predisposed to not take me very seriously which is often frustrating um, or to be condescending um, but you know, you just kind of have to um, believe that you're good enough and believe that you're deserving. Um, there's this, people talk sometimes about imposter syndrome and like the idea behind that being like a lot of women when they have an accomplishment, they feel like they don't deserve it or they're not, you know, something like that. Um, and what I've realized through all of this is that I really can't afford to doubt myself in that way because I'm constantly going to be surrounded by people who doubt me right off the bat Um, especially as somebody who got into comics through through a different route like I was published by a publisher who doesn't normally publish comic books Um, 
it was because they were interested in the subject matter. And so like, you know, I kind of came at it from a different place than a lot of people who are very entrenched in the whole culture around comics, which I'm still learning about. And, you know, obviously I've always appreciated it as an art form, but I'm learning more about it um, in a lot of ways now. You have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that that you are good enough and that you are worthy of your accomplishments because otherwise like people will totally if they sense that weakness or that insecurity they'll just say oh yeah she's just a young Palestinian woman who doesn't know what she's doing. And do you feel like you got more of a negative or you know more challenging reactions from the comic book world or like the Arab world who's not (laughs) used to it or you know can you talk a little about that? I don't know I wouldn't say one over the other I've had very good experiences with individuals and I've also had bad experiences with individuals so I mean I just wanted you to talk about like if there was a scenario or something that was interesting that you know you have if you have an experience. Yeah okay so there was one experience where I was nominated for an award I was nominated for the Palestine Book Awards and so you know I'm in this like the the award ceremony is in London. I'm in this like fancy hotel. We're supposed to go to this event for the awards um, and I'm sitting in the lobby and uh, somehow like connected with a few of the other um, people who are nominated for the award, most of whom were like older. And one of the older men who was nominated for the award assumed that I was an organizer and was being really rude to me. There was a complication with the taxi or something that, it, you know, it was like some logistical issue that was going on and he was kind of blaming me for it. And, you know, I was saying, I don't know what's going on because I assumed he knew that I was one of the authors, but he was getting mad at me saying, why don't you do this and that? What's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm an author and he was shocked, but he still did not really treat me with much more respect after that. So, (laughs) um, you know, just those kinds of assumptions um, happen all the time. And and regardless of that, also as somebody who has been an organizer of different events, I just don't understand why people feel the need to like treat organizers like that, Mm -hmm. Um, especially young woman organizers who are doing a lot of really hard work and a lot of really great work. I mean, the majority, vast majority of people doing these this kind of work, are the hard women. work in the trenches, yeah. yeah, are women sacrificing their time mm-hmm. for free. Right. So this exactly. isn't, you know, an issue to bring to light. You right. Know, <laughs> and the experience of, yeah. Yeah, so. definitely. I know now that you, your character was inspired by um, your father. Mm-hmm. So naturally the character would be male. Mm-hmm. But I was interested in why, yeah, you didn't create maybe, or maybe are you interested in creating a uh, story of a, a girl, right. a young girl or woman in the Middle East facing these Definitely. issues. I'd be so interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something I thought a lot about. My mother is American, um, and so like I couldn't write about if I wanted to write about Palestine and that kind of stuff. You know, obviously I would write about my father, but recently I have decided that I'm not writing any more stories about men. Um, so we will, because yeah, there's just many reasons for that. But um, I'm looking forward to writing many more stories about I mean do you want to talk about those reasons like oh I mean just because you know um there often is already a lot of like emphasis on men and all that kind of stuff and women's stories and narratives are kind of shut out or seen as not as important or so I am just more interested in in exploring women's stories and um you know highlighting those voices or voices of non-binary people as well so 
Yeah, I would assume that maybe that story would be even more complicated than exactly. Ahmed's. You know, there are additional <laughs> layers. Yeah, of- definitely. So we yeah. look forward to that. Okay, well, that was the voice of comic book artist and author Leila Abdul Razak. She's a Chicago-based artist, and we're lucky enough to catch her here while she was in town. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Arabiyat. You can email us at arabiyat.podcast at gmail.com. That's A-R-A-B-I-Y-A-A-T dot podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Arabiyat and Facebook.com slash Arabiyat podcast. Our theme song is by Muqata'a. You can follow him on SoundCloud.com slash B-O-I-K-U-T-T.